ready to sink your teeth into scripture and get a bulldog grip on its truth? Let's gnaw on some doctrine and get bulldogmatic. Here is your host. Now, you were talking a little bit before you were talking about uh, murder, first degree, second degree, third degree. And we talked uh, last time about faith. Faith has degrees, and every person is uh, has a different measure of faith. Uh, that's not true with justification, correct? Justification has no no exactly exactly at when, all. This is the beauty of it, and and it's it, and it's a very good question. When God declares you righteous, you put your faith in Christ, mm-hmm. you repent of your sins which, by the way, cannot happen unless God convicts you of your sins. We're blind. We can't see. We're enemies of God. I was thinking about this this morning. The the simplest illustration of that fact that we don't want anything to do with God comes from the book of Genesis in the Garden of Eden. The first thing Adam and Eve did after they sinned was hid from God. And if God had not walked into the garden calling for them, uh, they would have, they would never have made any effort to find him themselves. Right. This is just one of the fundamental concepts. So after God convicts us of our sin, draws us to him through the Holy Spirit, uh, and we, we put our faith in Christ, he declares us righteous. That is, and he declares, he looks, he, he imparts, and this is important as well. Mm-hmm. He credited uh, he counted it as righteousness. He put it into Abraham's account that he was a righteous person. When we put our faith in Christ, God declares us to be righteous in Christ because of what Christ did. And here's the kicker. You can't add to that. Right. And what we do as Christians sometimes, we try to add to the righteousness God has given us, but the righteousness he's given us is the righteousness of Christ. You can't get any better than that. Mm-hmm. What he does call us to do is begin to live out that righteousness. Mm-hmm. And that's the distinction between that, that, those two things. And again, it doesn't mean we don't go on to live and, and grow and mature and become more Christ-like. It just means none of that adds to that status of righteousness because because as Paul says in one place, we are the righteousness of God in Christ. And there's no, there's no greater standard, mm-hmm. no other standard. And there's no other way. There's no other way. So, so that's the, that's the, the beauty of that idea of God's declaring us to be righteous. And it's not like, uh, I, when you, when I got saved and somebody else gets saved, Different circumstances, different backgrounds, different speed of growth, mm-hmm. but both of us are equal in the sight of God as it relates to being justified. Amen. They're, they're, I'm not a little bit more just, and this is where we disagree and depart company with our Catholic friends mm-hmm. because we believe in imputed righteousness. They believe that, that God imparts righteousness as you do Works, works of righteousness. Mm-hmm. We we don't believe that. We believe the righteousness, the righteous works flow out of this declaration of righteousness. They believe these works of righteousness must be done to gain ever more grace. 
And that's why you have purgatory, the belief in purgatory, that even after you've you've uh, done all the things the Catholic Church wants you to do, confessions, masses, candle lighting, etc., you still got to go to purgatory until God decides you're good enough. God in heaven, help us not to to fall into that. Exactly. That trap. By, by grace alone. Grace alone. Through faith alone. Through faith alone. In Christ alone. In Christ alone. To the glory of God alone. Alone. And what's the last one? Sola Scriptura, the word, the word of God alone. alone. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, uh, we we will die on that. Yes. Cross. Yes. Uh, that's one of those bulldogmatic right, right. things that uh, we're not going to let go of. No, no. We can find different ways to describe it to people, but we cannot let go of the truth. And and that's that's something you're right, bulldogmatic. Get a grip and hang on. Right. So when God declares us righteous in Christ, the verdict is final. The verdict there, is fine. There is no second verdict for the Christian. No, no. At all. No, and that's that's another great distinction between a human court and a divine court. The human court allows appeals because humans are flawed and might have made a mistake. Mm-hmm. And they have appeals, and sometimes the appeals rule, and they say, yeah, you made a mistake here. That's the human system. Mind you that you even exhaust that, even in a human system, what we call the Supreme Court. And every country has one of those, by the way. You know, everybody's banging on ours right now. But every civilized culture has a final rule of law, the Supreme Court that they go to. Once that court rules, you're done. Okay? It's the same with God. There is no appeal process except through Christ. And if you won't take that process... And find justification in God's sight. There's only one other option, and that is eternity without God. Mm-hmm. So that, again, is a, a, a little bit of a distinction that we can glean an understanding of the divine court through the human courts that God has given us. But the, but the divine court is perfect, and there will be no mistakes. There will be no, there will be no need for appeal because God is perfect in his verdict. Yes. And when he declare again, go back to the declaring us righteous, it doesn't change our character. We're still sinners. We're right. still guilty before right. God, but he stamps upon us paid in full right. at the cross. At the cross. So Christ did for us what we could never do for ourselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I just would throw out that that concept again, if I really understood that, would I be indifferent to serving God? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I just wonder if some of the people running around said, I believe, I believe, but that they're not, they're nothing close to Christian faith. As we understand it from the Bible or from the historic church, nothing they do is anything like Christianity. I have to think that's because they, uh, they just do not have a proper concept of the grace that has been bestowed, they're still, I think I said it a couple months ago in a a message that people, they don't do the things God says because they believe they can earn his favor despite that. 
that I, I know the Bible says this, but I'm doing this. I have had this so many times with people. As a pastor, you say, are you in church? Well, no, but I'm praying. Do you not see that disconnect there? God wants you to do both. Right. Uh, well, you know, I've had people tell me this, and we don't we don't make a big deal about it in our church about tithing. And they say, well, I don't tithe. I don't give regular. But when God speaks to me, I obey. Well, God did speak to you in the word of God. He spoke to you in the Bible. How come you're not obeying it? And you see, I think people do that because they think, well, I can, I can make it. I can be good enough. I can get, I can contribute to it. And God says, no, no, you have to come to Christ, Christ and Christ alone. Cast yourself at the cross. Uh, nothing in my hands I bring only to the cross I cling. Oh, Lamb of God, I come. Uh, this is, I think, so much. And again, it comes back to, a failure to understand justification, and I will put that upon ourselves as, as ministers, upon myself, of, of, of trying to convey the, all the truths of Scripture. And unfortunately, in the 21st century, dear God, grant that there will be a change in this, but people are just squeezing out that 40 minutes on Sunday, if I'm lucky. I, I give you 40 minutes, that's all you've got. And yeah. it's no wonder the Christian church is in... Uh, a, a position of just total, total. And I, when I say total, I don't mean every Christian in America, but I mean a great number of people in America who claim to be Christians have no idea what they believe. Exactly. He goes on and he asks the question, how can God justify? And he said, the question that haunts the student of biblical theology has always been, how can God be just and the justifier of the ungodly? Uh, then he goes on, and he's going to draw out some truths, and let me see how many points he has, four points here. The first one he draws out is that men are judged according to truth or reality so that nothing can be hidden. And he brings out Romans 2.2. 2. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. So we can't, like Adam and Eve, we can't right. hide for God, from God no. at all. No. Uh, so that's bad news. That's, right? that's bad news. <laughs> right. And, you know, the writer of Hebrews says, uh, everything is naked before him with whom we have to deal everything. There's, there is no hiding. Uh, what is it in the Psalms where he says, uh, if I, if I go to hell, you're there. Mm -hmm. If I go to the, the, to, to the edge of the morning, you're there. Um, I'm not sure it's the same passage, but there's another passage that says, even the darkness is light to you. Mm -hmm. There is no place to hide from God. Exactly. Yeah. And we, and, and, uh, and any person who, 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 Anyone who believes that you can hide something from God is uh, not saying they're not a Christian at this point or not saved. I'm saying that they are not, they have not grown in their relationship to the point that they realize that. Number two, he says, judgment will be according to works and all will stand condemned. Romans 3.10, as it is written, uh, none is righteous. No, not one. Romans 2, 5 through 6. But because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. 
he will render to each one according to his works. So, we're all guilty. We're all guilty. So that's more bad news. That's more bad news. So, and, we and, can't hide from him, and we're all guilty. We're all guilty. And that brings in, again, the, the difference between works that are a product of our salvation. Ephesians chapter 2, we are saved by grace through faith, and that not works, lest any man should boast. But then verse 10 says, we are created for good works. So we always must be mindful of it, that the works I'm doing do not increase my righteousness. They do not increase my God's favor in my life as a saved person. Mm -hmm. I'm doing these things because he has saved me, right? not so that he will save me. Mm -hmm. And those are two different things. And it goes back again, what I was saying a moment ago, with people thinking that they could somehow contribute something. Mm -hmm. I can do this, and then they expect God to accept that. And God says, no, because no works that you do, no human works will ever justify you. And and Paul says that again, I think later in this book or in Galatians, that by the deeds of the law, no one will be justified in his sight. Right. Because no one can be justified by their works. Exactly. Number three, he brings out further, says Paul, in an often misunderstood words, God's judgment will be according to the light which men have received. And he quotes Romans 2, 12 through 15. For all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law. And all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. For when Gentiles do who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires, they are laws unto themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them. And Dr. Ferguson says, this will invariably lead to condemnation for those who have had the law revealed and broken its dictates. Uh, can you make that a little clearer what uh, Romans 2, 12 is, is talking? Well, so there? if you, if you connect it now, one of the things I want to be careful of, because he says it there, uh, they will be judged by the light. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, we have to be careful of that because some people take that to mean that I can come to salvation through natural revelation, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, the, the reason that's not uh, a balanced view is because we've already determined that no one can do works that satisfy God, right. okay? But what Dr. Ferguson is getting at is that when you look at humanity, every Every group, every culture, every ethnicity, every uh, civilization, track it back through time, they all had a concept of right and wrong. And that's what he's saying. There's just this, in you know, we don't, he's, he, when, he, when he talks about the law, he means, so you have the principle of the law and then you have the writing of the law. Okay, mm -hmm. the Jews had the writing of the law but the world has the principle in the sense that they know right from wrong. Yeah. Every culture has that. So that, that even those, even though cultures, even cultures that ha would have things that, that would be against our cultural 
okays. They still had things that would be wrong, even in that consideration. Mm -hmm. So typically, except in a cannibalistic culture, murder is wrong. Mm -hmm. You you shouldn't kill an innocent person. It's just, you know, uh, a war, which is a necessary evil, but nobody likes when a war starts because everybody knows how it's going to end. Millions of people dead, uh, people displaced, uh, you know, refugees. That, uh, uh, on and on the list goes because there's just some innate sense that that is wrong. Mm-hmm. That's wrong, and and uh, stealing and thieving and and uh, depriving someone. There's just a sense. So, doctor, without rambling too much, he's dealing with that idea that. Because man is made in the image of God, there's something inside that says this is wrong. Oh. And, 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 he, and no one, no one denies that because just go out and, and put yourself into the debate about abortion. Mm-hmm. Now, either it's right or wrong. You cannot say there's nothing, no truth applies to everybody and then insist that I accept your version of the truth. Mm-hmm. At the core, you're saying, there is something immoral. There's something wrong. There's something broken. And so Dr. Ferguson's making the point that if you realize all of us are in that boat where we instinctively know, and let's, let's take it all the way down. Let's take it all the way down. Okay. We're born selfish. And when you have children and you begin to teach them right from wrong, they know Right from wrong. They, they, they will, they fuss because they have the sense that you're treating them wrong. Right. Uh, where does that come from? It's part of our human nature. And, and, and Dr. Ferguson is pointing out that no one will be able to stand in front of God and say, well, I didn't know right from wrong. And he'll say, no, you did because it's written on your heart and you have lived your life in a way that says some things are right and some things are wrong. And that that is what you were going. That is what you are going to be judged on, the fact that you lived according to your own sinful desires, which are at times in conflict with other people and other cultures, and that is enough to say that you cannot, you cannot do it. So, no one. As an excuse. No one has an excuse. So, we're all sinners. Bad news. Um, we can't hide from God. We cannot hide more from bad God. news. And we have no excuse. We have no excuse. Even more bad news. So, I'm hoping he brings out some good news. <laughs> well, you know, if we, of course he does. He brings out number four. It's right. the good news. Well, before you get there, I just want to, I just want to point out the importance here of accepting what God says about us. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of people would say, well, I just don't believe that. You, you want me to believe that you, you, you want me to believe, you, okay, you want me to accept that you believe in God, yet you reject the most fundamental thing God says, which is evidenced everywhere you look, exactly. that we're wicked to the core. Mm-hmm. That shows me you really don't know anything about God. Right. Number four, finally. God will judge men according to Jesus Christ. Ouch. Wow, what a standard well, that is. That's, that's it. Uh, that, now, that's either good news or it's 
worse news. It's, exactly. <laughs> because uh-huh. no matter how much I might be able to set myself up against that guy over there, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I have a better this, I have a better that. Well, I've never done that. I've never done this. But the mm-hmm. standard you're being measured against is not your neighbor it's or perfection. your parents. Yeah. It's the perfection of Christ. Right. And, Good luck. Good luck with Good that. Good luck with that. If you feel like, you know, we'll, we'll uh, uh, it's been nice knowing you because there's no way you and I are going to be spending eternity together with that attitude. That's right. He quotes Romans 2.16. It says, on that day when, according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Jesus Christ. So we're all going to stand and give account all of in us. front of Christ. All of us. And he is the standard he we is. have to live up to. He- and he is the judge. He is the standard and the judge. And we need to make that little caveat here about the difference between the judgment of a sinner and the judgment of a Christian. Mm-hmm. The sinner is judged for his sins. The Christian is judged for how he lived as a Christian and whether he bore fruit for Christ. Right. All of our sins as believers are covered. Exactly. And they're cast into the... When we were declared righteous by God. When we were God. declared righteous by God. All in of Christ. our sins. All of our sins. And the two words, in Christ, is in very Christ, important. In Christ. In, absolutely. Uh, he brings that out in Romans 3, 24 through 25. It says, And are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, who God put forth as a propitiation. 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 Okay, by his blood, <laughs> to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness, because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. Romans 5, 9 says, Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. Romans four twenty five who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. The only basis for just, uh, and Dr. Ferguson, that's that was Romans 4.25. Dr. Ferguson goes on and says, the only basis for justification, which the New Testament recognizes, is the work of Christ, which resides in God's love. But love as love uh alone cannot justify. Love is the source of our justification, but the death of Christ is the grounds for our justification. Now, why is he bringing bringing that out and talking about the love of God is the the source, but the death of Christ is the grounds. Why do you think he brings that out and why is that important? to be continued. We will continue this conversation in the next episode. And it keeps getting more and more interesting. Be sure to like and share this with your friends, and be sure to subscribe to our channel. Thanks for listening.